like this morning to talk about something that's of a very practical nature, and that is the idea of being courteous men and women. You may say, well, we're Christians, so we are courteous automatically. Well, that may be true to a degree, but sometimes we struggle with being as courteous as what we should be, and so I've entitled our lesson simply, Christians of Courtesy. And what I'd like to do is to look at why courtesy matters so much and how we can go about showing that in our world. So in some ways, it'll be a little more pragmatic of a lesson than maybe some others, but also principled in Bible teachings, which we'll look at in just a couple of moments. We have a number of people who are visiting with us this morning, and we are, as we said uh, at the outset of our services, really glad to see you. We hope that you'll continue to be with us if you are new to this area or uh, maybe looking for uh, a new place to study and to kind of structure your life around. We'd be glad to be a part of that. And we'd be glad to study with you to try to help you in uh, getting closer to God as that's what we're trying to do. We are simply Christians who are trying to help one another in getting ourselves to heaven and being courteous in that process and in that Uh, way of life. I want to start with this idea, what we mean by courtesy and defining it. And I think we understand what it means to be courteous. We have all had courtesy extended to us, whether that be by a friend, whether it be by a family member, perhaps by a coworker. And it's nice to have people who are kind and humble and courteous around you. You've had people on the phone who have been courteous to you and who have gone above and beyond and gone the extra mile to provide for you customer service. And then you've had those circumstances where certain employees at certain firms maybe weren't as courteous as what you would have liked them to have been. But by definition, it's the idea of being polite or having excellence of manners. And I don't think that's the idea of having proper manners as dictated by various Western cultures or across the pond as they may have better manners than what we have from time to time. But it's the idea of being kind to one another. And in scripture, the word courteous comes from two separate words. And we're going to look at a couple of uh, examples of where courtesy is used in scripture. But it's first of all, a combination of the word friend. And we think of the word friend as being a very powerful word. When someone says, she's my friend, we are saying that she is someone that is special to me. And it's the idea, secondly, of understanding or feeling. So it's a friendship that has feeling or has understanding. And so when someone is courteous to you, they are generally friendly to you as well. It seems to me that one can better appreciate the meaning of what it means to be courteous by noting alternative versions of the word. Now, I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning, but some of you are reading from the New American Standard or the English Standard Version or perhaps the NIV or perhaps the King James Version or a different version. But look, if you would, at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted. And then in verse 8, if you're reading from the New King James Version, it says, be courteous. 
If you're reading from uh, some of the more, uh, more modern versions, for example, the NIV, it'll say the idea of humbleness or humility. So when someone is humble, what does that mean? We understand that's really at the core of New Testament Christianity on so many levels. And humility is about putting others first and putting yourself last. We understand that, and that sometimes is hard to do because we live in a world that is all about me, myself, and I, and putting myself first. Well, Consider, if you would, the example of a man in Acts chapter 28 and verse 7. And again, I'm reading from the New King James Version, so you may have a different terminology here in 28 and verse 7. But there in the text, it talks about this man, that the father uh, lay sick of a fever. Paul went into him and prayed and laid his hands on him. This is verse 8 of 28. Drop back to verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen who received us, who provided us hospitality, and entertained us courteously for three days, or with humility. He put himself first. So when you practice hospitality, when you invite someone over to your home for a meal, or to study the Bible, or to have a singing, you are putting them before yourself. Because all of us know that when you have someone in your home or in your yard, it makes more difficult for you, but it's worth the process of having those people over. Whether that be your Christian brethren, whether that be friends, of the world that you're trying to influence. I'd like to submit to you, first of all today, that courtesy matters for a lot of reasons, but I want us to note three major reasons from Scripture that courtesy should matter to every Christian. And you may say, well, this lesson doesn't apply to me. And I don't think that anybody would say that because that would uh, void the idea of humility that we've already talked about. But all of us can probably be a little more courteous in a world that is filled with individuals that are less than courteous and kind. And secondly, more importantly, we can use that as an opportunity for a teaching tool, which is where we will close with our lesson this morning. I want us to start first and foremost with the idea, and that is that God commands courtesy. It is not a suggestion. It is not just when it is convenient, but it is mandatory that we are men and women of courtesy. There in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, where it says we are to be tenderhearted and we are to be humble or to be courteous. We are to put others first. We are to have excellent manners. We are to be polite. If there are people who are the most courteous in all the world, it ought to be Christians. It ought to be us who practice that humility. Similarly, drop back a few pages in your Bibles to Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia. And there in Galatians chapter 5, I want to read just a couple of verses here. In chapter 5 and verse 22, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. He says there in verse 22, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. Now, the word courteous 
is not used in those three or four verses. But it seems to me that as Paul is bringing this letter to a rapid close in the book of Galatians, he's saying to these Christians, you've got to be courteous. You've got to be willing to put others first and yourself last. And then it reminds me of a passage all the way back in the book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 17 that I wanted to just very quickly make reference to. It says, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. That's Proverbs 11, verse 17. A man who is kind or courteous, those of you that are reading from the English Standard Version this morning. And so we've got to understand that God commands us to be men and women of courtesy. Second, we've got to appreciate the fact that our God, who we are trying to be like, we prayed this morning that we want to be more like God, think more like God, and act more like God, is a very courteous God. We need to try and be more like our God each day that we live. Turn over, if you would, to Romans chapter 2, where our brother Kerry in the adult class and brother John in the younger people's class uh, have been taking us through the book of Romans, and they're doing a good job. But turn over, if you would, to Romans chapter 2. And verse 4, in a very practical statement, it seems to me, that is made, where it says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, the forbearance, the long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God is good. All the time, we sometimes say, right? God is that great. He is that courteous. And it's the riches of his kindness. Paul wrote to Titus, an evangelist in the first century. And he said in Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, he says, Titus, we ourselves were also once foolish and disobedient and deceived, and we served our own lusts and our pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's the way we used to live. And there are some who, even if you, quote, grew up on a pew or grew up in the church, there are some who maybe did not have a spiritual upbringing of any sort. And she said, yeah, that's describing me in my, my childhood. Deceiving others, being deceived, serving my own selfish lusts and desires. He says, but when the kindness or when the compassion or when the courtesy and the love of our God, Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, verse 5, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Note, if you would, that there's a link, it seems to me, between the eternal life and us in God's courteous ways. Has God been courteous to us? Of course he has. What's the definition? Being polite and showing excellence of manners. He's done that in the way that he, as we have observed already today, gave his son to die for us. It was the most courteous thing. And sometimes we use the word courtesy in so many different things, in so many different kind of uh, general ways that we don't understand what we're talking about. A friend who has understanding is the basis of the word in the New Testament. And that's what our God has done for us. 
And thirdly, I think it's important for us to understand that courtesy matters because Christ is going to be judged by our examples. Remember that according to Romans chapter 12 or Titus chapter 2, that you and I are to be different from the world. And the world is filled with discourteous men and women. And we'll talk about some of those examples in just a few moments. But the world is filled with people that are not going to be kind or patient or humble or polite. And we've got to be men and women who are different. And we've got to appreciate that our examples are very powerful. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. And I understand that we generally use chapter 3 verse 1 to talk only about the subject of wives trying to win over their husbands. But I want to make a more broader application that I think is appropriate for us to make. Which is likewise, wives be submissive to your husbands that even if they do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Is it Would it be legitimate for us to make the argument that whether we are married or not, whether we're male or female, whether we're trying to win the influence of a close family member or just a a distant friend, that our examples are powerful in setting the stage for winning them over to Christ? And I think the answer is yes. So I think 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, even though it is talking about this very limited uh, specific instance, which we have seen play out in the lives of of wives and husbands in our own past, I know I have in my lifetime, our examples are very powerful. Well, that's where I wanted us to start this morning, but where I want us to finish this morning is the idea of how we show that courtesy to others, and this is the more pragmatic. So we've laid out some principles that I think even before we came together this morning, we can all agree that courtesy matters, but understanding that God commands it, God himself is courteous, and Jesus is going to be judged by our examples. Are there some ways that we can go about making courtesy shown uh, important uh, in our lives and in the example that we set for others? Let me suggest you two key reasons at the outset here. One, it's easier for us, we need to acknowledge, to be like the world than to be different from the world. The easiest thing for us to do, whether we are young or whether we are old, is to blend in with the world. That's the easiest thing to do. And we don't like, as human beings, we naturally, most of us, don't like standing out. We like blending in. We know that feeling when you're in grade school or middle school or high school and, and you're in a new class and you, you don't want to stand out as the, as the odd character. Or you're new on campus or you're new in the job uh, pool and you want to blend in with everyone else. We don't want to be different except that God asks us and demands of us that we are different. Let me suggest to you, secondly, that we need to appreciate the notion that practice makes perfect. And that is we will become more courteous the more we work on it on a regular basis. And so I want to spend the final uh, 10 minutes or so of our time together looking at this. And that is, are there some ways that we can go about showing courtesy to others and being more practical in the way that we do so? And I would suggest to you three things that we can do or three things that we ought not to do. And that's where we start here with number one. And that is to control what we do not do. So what does that mean? Well, there are things that we do that are courteous for others and to others. 
But there are things that we ought not do. And one of those things is overreacting or allowing our mouths to get ahead of our brains, as someone once pointed out. Turn over, if you would, to the book of James. And this is a passage that is very familiar and very applicable and one that we have either memorized or we know the concept very well in James chapter 1 and verse 19. He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we've got to be careful with things that we say as well as with things that we do not say. You cannot misquote silence, someone once said. And sometimes the best thing that we can do is just remain silent. When people are arguing in your workplace, when people are involved in conversations that are inappropriate or that are degrading or, or where they're being uh, uh, grumbling and busybodies, sometimes the best thing for us to do is just say, I'm not going to be a part of this conversation. I am not participating in something that is less than courteous in its very nature. And that's hard to do because we as humans, we sometimes like getting in on the gossip. We like getting in on those conversations, but we cannot allow ourselves to do so. Let me suggest to you also this, and this is something that I'm not just preaching to you, but as I often say, I'm preaching to myself, and that is being rude. I'd like to think that I'm not rude most of the time, but there are times where I can be rude. There are times where I'm not as courteous as I should be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, love among all things is not rude. It does not behave rudely, at least in the New King James Version. And so there are people that are downright rude in the world. And you're thinking of perhaps someone, hopefully not someone sitting near you, but but you're thinking of someone in the world who in the last month to two months has been rude to you, whether that's in the way that they drove, in the way that they uh, talked, in the way that they treated you. And we cannot do that and at the same time say that I am a man or a woman of love. And then we can control uh, what we do not do by being self-centered. In Philippians chapter 2, I've made no secret about it. I love Philippians and I love chapters 2 and 3 uh, an awful lot. But in chapter 2, it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Why? Well, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. But could we not summarize chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 by saying, just be courteous and be kind and think about others more than you do yourself. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, those are things that we can control. We can control our tongue. We can control our speech. We can control what we allow ourselves to be involved in. And we can control the idea of being about others and being focused on their welfare. But there's a second thing that we can do, and you may think that this is the silliest thing that I've ever said, and I've probably have said a few silly things, but you know, whether it be uh, the way you smile or the fact that you smile, sometimes a smile says an awful lot. 
I remember a preacher when I was uh, probably 12 years old talked about the sour pickle look. He said some Christians look like they were weaned off of a sour pickle. That's an old statement from back in the 70s and the 80s. And it's not that we have to smile all the time because there are times where it's not appropriate to smile. We get that. But we as Christians ought to be positive men and women in a world filled with so many people who are negative at their very core. Job chapter 9 verse 27 came to mind as I was thinking about this sermon. And I'll pull back the curtain a little bit on this sermon. I've been playing with preaching this sermon now for probably six to nine months and have hesitated on it for a couple of reasons. So let me know that you like it if you, if you like it. If you don't like it, let me know just the same that you thought you liked it. But in Job chapter 9 and verse 27, he says, if I say I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and I will wear a smile. So there it is. I didn't make this up all by myself. I borrowed from Job in the New King James Version where he says, wear a smile. And you may not be in fashion. Uh, your clothes may not, although uh, some of us have real fashion sense issues, but we can always be fashionable with the smile that we wear. Sometimes this does require a willful mind even when you do not feel like smiling. The whole point that I'm making is simple, and I think you understand what I'm saying, is that if Job, who understood what it was like to be sad, says, you know what, I'm going to turn my frown upside down, and and I'm going to try to be more positive and try to show all the blessings in this life, then I, I can do that. All of us know people who are just quintessentially positive and upbeat. And sometimes those people drive you crazy, especially when you're having those bad days. But we've got to allow ourselves to say, I've got some bad days. I've got some challenges, but I'm still very blessed. It reminds me of an older man who's passed away who would say to me, he says, I'm too blessed to be depressed. And this was a man who had very little financially whose health was not the greatest, and who knew he was approaching death. But as a Christian, he understood, I've got so many things going for me. How can I not be happy? And how can I not smile? Someone once said, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's nice to think about, that it takes more effort and more muscle ability to frown than it does to smile. Someone says, well, if that's the case, I'm going to start exercising by smiling a whole lot more. And maybe I'll be more physically fit. I don't know if that's going to be the the trick or not. But the fact is, is we need to be individuals who are positive. And let me then go further and use a very practical example. And that is we should practice random acts of kindness and be kind to others and be courteous to others. And in doing so, make them less random. Which brings me to, before we close out here in the next five or six minutes, the diamond pin trick. And there it is, the diamond pin trick. Some of you have heard of the diamond pin. If you were in central Indiana back in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, then you would have been very familiar with the diamond pin. And one of the best evangelists I ever met, probably one of the top 15 I ever met, was a man who's now deceased. It's funny, as we get older, more and more of those people are deceased. 
But I remember Brother, uh, Brother Gene would go to every place where he ate or where he visited, whether it be after services or whether it be on a Wednesday evening before Bible study or whether it be just on a regular Tuesday evening. And he would find someone and he would say, has anyone ever given you a diamond pin? And the person was thinking, well, no, I've never had a diamond pin, so I'm going to give you a diamond pin. And then he would take out of his coat pocket with this crooked smile of a 75-year-old man, which seemed really old to me at the time, doesn't seem as old anymore. And he would take a dime and he will have soldered it to a safety pin and he would pin it on the lapel of the man or on the woman. And that caused them to smile. And then he'd take something else out of his pocket. He'd say, you know, I'm a Christian. And if you ever want to talk about spiritual things, he broke the ice with that. And that random act of kindness. And I remember at his funeral, there were two things present at his funeral, three things. One, the preaching of the gospel. Two, a lot of Smarties candies, because that's what he would give to all the kids all over the state of Indiana, wherever he would visit or preach. And thirdly, there were lots of men and women wearing diamond pins. I don't know how much money he spent on safety pins and gave up dimes over the course of his 20 or 30 or 40 years of doing so. But what was he doing? Was he doing that just to be kind? And that's the point or the thrust of what I'm trying to make here. We don't be kind just to be kind because that's a message that you could hear in any church or in any feel-good assembly. But we want to be kind because sometimes we want to be individuals, all times, maybe I should say, where we say, this is an opportunity for me to engage a soul. What is the most courteous thing that you can do for a human being? It is not to save their physical health. It is not to help them with money. It is not to help them with gasoline. It is not to pay their rent, though those things are important and sometimes necessary for us as humans to do. But the most important thing for us to do and the most courteous thing that we can do is share the gospel with someone. And that's where this person took his efforts in trying to do those particular things. Jump back just a page or two in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, where he says, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, and forgive one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. If you want to underline the word kind, that is a command. So going back to where we began and now as we're about to draw to a close, this is not a sermon that is such that we say, well, I don't need to learn about courtesy. I don't need to learn about kindness because the Holy Spirit said 2,000 years ago, be kind. And it reminds me of, uh, as I've mentioned before, I've I've talked about Sesame Street before from the pulpit. Uh, I've talked about Mr. Fred Rogers before, but in his autobiography that was published before he died, he says there are three keys to success And Fred Rogers says those three things are to be kind, to be kind, and to be kind. Well, the Bible says be kind and be courteous as well. Let me just share with you courtesy shown a list of some various uh, acts of kindness that we might be able to consider. Um, One of those is... How about sometime in the course of this week or the next week, you open the door for an exaggerated number of people? And we were, we were recently 
outside of central Tennessee where this is kind of the norm. We were in a different state in a different culture a couple weeks ago. And rather than people opening doors for you, they were shutting them on you. <laughs> I'll let you know where we were. So I don't want to disparage uh, the Miami area too much, but, <laughs> but it was rough. <laughs> but to open the door for an exaggerated amount of people, how about this? This should keep you out of accidents and out of hit and runs. Let the driver in front of you get in. You'll notice on the front of one of my cars right now that everything's shattered. (laughs) (laughs) Send a note to someone. Go to a singing today if you're in uh, group D uh, and encourage someone who needs some sort of encouragement. Offer to help someone. And there are so many people here who are doing these things behind the scenes and you think I'm not getting any recognition And you don't want that recognition except the Lord sees in secret the things that you do. And three times in Matthew chapter 6, it says he will reward you openly. He will reward you openly. He will reward you openly. We do not want regard in this life for our kindness and for our consideration, though that will come as a result of the ways that we live. But the whole point of all of this is that we use those opportunities. When someone notices that we are different, we give the glory back to God. We provide an invitation to study the Bible, we say, you know what? Uh, We were talking in in one of our sermons or Bible classes recently about the importance of courtesy and kindness, and it's important that I show that to you because I care about you. It may be that while you are out on a walk with your dog that you invite someone to church services. It may be that when you are at your workplace that you just leave a, a positive note with a scripture on your coworker's desk. Got to pick the right coworker and 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 do so in the right uh, politically correct environment, I suppose. Although we don't have to be politically correct, we talked about in our Bible class this morning. But the point of the matter is, is there are op- opportunities that abound for us to be Christians, to be men and women of courtesy. The most courteous thing that I can ever do for you has little to do with the way that I drive or the way that I feed you, but is to invite you to become a Christian. And the most courteous thing that you can do for others is to invite them to serve the Lord with you. Because that's what we're trying to do. We are trying to be courteous men and women who are Christians, who are serving our God, who himself is indeed courteous at his very core. If you're not a Christian this morning, you may be the most courteous person that is here. But let's put that courtesy to use. You may be a kind and patient and loving person. And I, and I, I, I would guess and venture that most are who are here, else you wouldn't be here. But you need to do so in service to our Lord and our master, the Christ. And we invite you to become a Christian this morning by being baptized, if that's something that you need to do. And we will invite you to continue to study and to work on that. Maybe you have questions about becoming a Christian. Maybe you're new to the church. Maybe you're new to our spiritual environment. You want to know more about what it means to be a child of God. We'll study and talk with you at your, at your leisure and at your convenience. Or maybe you're a child of God and you're not living correctly. You've not been as courteous as you otherwise should. We would welcome the opportunity to pray for you and with you. If we can assist, let us know. While together we stand, while we sing of this.